Everybody loves a good list to start out the new year. So on today's show, I'm going to give you a list of money resolutions for 2023 that if you're brave enough to address, I'm confident that you'll find yourself in a better position financially this time next year. Let's jump in. It's time for the My Retirement Clarity Podcast with Lee Perkins, financial planner and president of JL Perkins Wealth Management. Get ready for a good dose of inspiration, simplicity, implementation, and of course, clarity on how to successfully prepare for retirement and grow and preserve your wealth. Here's Ben George with Lee Perkins. Welcome in to another episode of the My Retirement Clarity Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lee Perkins, and I am so glad that you tuned in today. Uh, So I'm here solo today, so I I probably need to have the podcast team add another intro when I'm here by myself. Of course, my co-host, Ben George, is not here today. I've given him the day off, and I'm sure he's probably like most people. He's home watching one of the college bowl games today. As you may know, Ben Ben's a big Alabama fan, so I know he's probably not super thrilled about the bowl game that Bama's playing in this year, but I'm pretty confident they're going to be back in full full force next year. I think right now they have the number one recruiting class again, so they're going to be just fine. So let's, let's don't declare that dynasty dead uh, just yet. So this is the time of year when everybody seems to put together – various lists. Um, for example, the you know the top 10 vacation destinations for 2023 or, or the top five SUVs for this coming year or, or whatever that list may be. Um, we've heard a bunch of these and I think at times some of these can be pretty interesting. The financial industry is really no different. Um, I think there are a lot of money guru sites that usually do articles on various things like, you know, maybe the the five best stocks for income this year is one that I've seen, or or maybe the five can't miss stocks for people over the age of 50. So we've all seen a bunch of these. And I, I think a lot of these financial lists are just marketing. So when you see these, just make sure that you know the angle of that article and whoever wrote it before you take action with with their recommendations. So last year I did an episode called 22 Money Resolutions for 2022. That was episode 57 and it aired on January the 5th of 2022. So you may want to go back and check out that episode. Some of the things that I I talked about then or things I talk about all the time on the show and I'm not going to rehash those here today, but I do want to just point out five before I get into this year's list. Um, Things like looking at a Roth conversion and seeing if that makes sense in your situation was one thing I discussed. Of course, having an emergency fund is super important. Always review your beneficiaries. Tune out of the news as much as possible just to try to limit that negativity because you you can't control it, and, and it all it can do is just make you mad. And I always say it, it'll steal your joy. So tune out that as much as you can. Uh, and of course, I always talk about maintaining your investment discipline. So I, I guess you could say those are five bonus tips from last year's list. So for this year, I wanted to do a list that I think that really everybody listening to this show should actually address. Um, it's not going to be the same generic list that you're going to get from various websites that pop up this time every year. These are things that 
I've seen that are really realistic for you to address, and I think they can make a real difference in your financial life. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to call these seven money resolutions that I think you should do in 2023. Number one, set up text alerts for your credit cards. And and this is really a, a smart thing to do. So when you set this up, you'll get an alert every time your credit card is used. What is dumb is not knowing what goes on your credit card and allowing your thief to use that credit card for a whole month. And I say that that's dumb because that's exactly what I did. I got busy with the final stages of building our house. I didn't log in and check my account like I should. And and it wasn't until my CPA called me to see how I wanted to, to categorize several charges that it was brought to my attention. So yeah, it seems that the eight different charges to bodybuilding.com didn't fit into one of my normal uh, line items here at, at the office. And so that was a warning flag to my, my CPA's office and they let me know. So this is something that obviously I should have been on top of, but but I wasn't. But I changed that. Of course, I canceled the card. I got a new one. Uh, we disputed all the charges. So the credit card company is taking care of that. But now, every time my card is used, I will get a text alert. So I'm going to know immediately if somebody is buying something with my credit card. Now, I already had this in place with my personal credit card that, that we use in our family. But I didn't have this set up for our office credit card. And that's the one that was compromised. So... That's the first tip. Set up text alerts for your credit card. Number two, review recurring charges or monthly drafts from your checking account. Now, this really could be classified sort of in the same category as getting text alerts from your credit card. But this isn't really necessarily to check and see if somebody's stealing your money. Although I I do think you should probably log into your bank account every few days and just see if anything looks out of place. What I'm talking about here is recurring monthly charges for things that you don't use anymore. We've probably all you know, given different companies authorization in the past to draft our account for something. Maybe it's you know something like Spotify or Netflix or, or XM Radio, something like that. Whatever it is, make sure that you actually use it. And if you don't, then cancel it. And if you don't cancel it, and this is what I've learned the hard way, they will gladly debit your account each and every month. And the ones that sneak past you sometimes are the ones that bill you annually. And I've had several of these in the past. And, and all it takes is you, you missing this charge and, and not getting the email that, that your account was debited. And if you don't notice this for months later, you know, at that point, it's probably too late to cancel. So I know that I've wasted thousands of dollars on things like this in the past, and I don't want you to make the same mistakes on in this area that I've made. All right, that's number two. So number three, know what you spend. You know, I'm not saying you need to do a monthly budget and audit that at the end of every month. Um, there may have been a time in all of our lives where that was appropriate, but I would say right now, most of my clients don't actually do a monthly budget. Uh, I think that's probably because most of my clients are retired and they've just sort of figured out over time how much money they need every month and, and they make their lifestyle fit inside of that. And the ones, of course, that are working, for the most part, they're making more money than they spend, so they don't really actually have to do a budget. But I always try to tell these folks that they need to start getting a handle on their expenses 
and what they spend way before they retire so they can make sure that they don't have to take a, a, a big step back in their lifestyle when they, when they do walk away from the paycheck. So just be aware of and, and have an idea of, of what you spend. And, and I'm talking about both spouses. If one of you knows and the other one has no clue, there will be problems at some point. Trust me. I've actually seen this play out in my conference room while I'm in there. Um, I can ask a couple how much they spend every month. One person says one thing and the other one says, there's no way we spend this much. And it gets awkward pretty quickly. So make sure that you're on the same page and make sure that you both stay in the loop on how much money you spend every month. Number four, automate your savings. And what I'm talking about here is setting up an automatic monthly contribution to an investment account. And I would tell you to do this outside of your normal 401k at work. So this goes on top of that. And so it doesn't really matter what you start with, just do it. So I don't care if it's $50 or $100 a month. The fact that you don't have to think about it and it just happens is what makes this so effective. So let me tell you how you can really take this to the next level. Let's say you're putting $500 a month into your investment account. So like clockwork, you're buying into the market every month, no matter what level the stock market is at. So now let's go back to number two on the list where you were reviewing all those recurring debits from your account. But instead of just canceling that $89 a month gym membership, take that $89 and add it to your monthly contribution. So now instead of putting $500 in your account, change the amount to $589. And then when you cancel something else, add it to that and it will just continue to grow and grow. So in, in my experience, if, if you cut out an expense and you don't redirect that money somewhere else, it's just going to disappear. So th this is honestly something that I started doing about two years ago. And I'm telling you, it absolutely works. So I've, I've added two former car payments to my monthly contribution. And the amount of money that I'm saving every month is, is really, really good. And, and I would not have probably, I wouldn't have been disciplined enough to write the check and do it on my own. So automate your savings. Hey folks, Lee Perkins here. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know how much I hate taxes. And I know you probably do too. Our politicians are completely out of control. Their spending is off the chart. And you've got to be prepared for increasing taxes in the future. So we've written a book called Diffuse, Seven Steps to Protecting Your 401k or IRA from the Ticking Tax Time Bomb. You're going to want to grab a copy of this book and learn how you can protect yourself. Then you'll have to decide if you want to take action right now or if you'd rather wait until the IRS changes the rules of the game. Either way, the choice is yours. To get a free copy of the book, just text the word DEFUSE to 478-475-2050. That's D-E-F-U-S-E to 478-475-2050. And we'll send you a free copy. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. All right, number five, know how much taxes you pay. Honestly, most people don't know this number. Um, it sounds crazy, but they really don't. I think that I could do a man-on-the-street type interview uh, here in, in Macon at our local mall, uh, our outdoor mall here. And I think if I asked 10 people how much taxes they paid last year, probably five of them would say none because they got money back when they did their taxes. And I, I think the IRS has cleverly 
altered the way that we see our, our tax scorecard. They've got us thinking that we've either won or lost the tax game by either getting a refund or having to pay when we do our taxes. So remember, this only tells us how close we actually got to paying what we owed. So I would, you know, I want to encourage you to go and pull your tax return from last year and find the line that tells you what your total tax is, because I think you're probably going to be surprised. I just looked at my tax return from 2021, and it is line number 24 on my 1040. Now, every once in a while, they will change that line number, the line number that has your total tax. Think back in 2019, it was line 16. I don't really know what it's going to be for 2022, but just look for the words, and it's in bold. It says total tax. Know that number. Know that number by heart, and then hold our politicians accountable. All right, number six, and this is a tough one. Don't let your kids take advantage of you. All right, so let me start by saying that I would do almost anything for for my kids, and, and I know you would too. Uh, if either one of my kids are in any kind of immediate danger, I would do whatever I needed to do to, to make sure they were going to be okay. However, I think there has to be some type of, of boundary or boundaries that are put in place, or you could wind up you know, putting yourself in financial jeopardy. And, I, and I've seen this play out over and over, not, not just with people that I don't know professionally, but with some of you know, some of my actual clients. And so here's the deal. If you can afford to help your children, I, I support that idea 100%. There are certainly circumstances where it makes sense. You know, if I think about the situations, you know, maybe you got a grown daughter with a couple of kids and, and her husband is, is a creep and walks out on her. Um, you know, then she may be in a real bind. However, you know, if your kid's financial woes are caused by a history of, of bad decisions compounded by more bad decisions, at some point you got to draw the line. And so here's, how to th- here's kind of how I think about it and how I've explained it to people in the past. My parents probably made more money than their parents. And I make more money than my parents made before they retired. And so I think there's a pretty good chance that my kids are going to wind up making more money than Pam and I make. So, I mean, that doesn't mean that they're going to save as much as we have or they're going to always make good financial decisions. I'm sure they're going to make some bad money decisions. I know I did. But what I do know is that they've got way more earnings potential than I do or than Pam does because they've got more time to earn more money. So, you know, if you're retired and you've got three or $400,000 saved for your retirement and that money's got to last you until you die, then you should really, really resist the urge to give your kid $100,000 to put down on a new house just so they don't have to pay PMI. It's not worth it. You could sacrifice to the point where you jeopardize your retirement in the, in the future and you could wind up becoming a financial burden on your kids. So anyway, that's a tough pill to swallow there. Number six, don't let your kids take advantage of you. All right, number seven, an income plan after death. Now, this one is not really easy to do, but I think it is actually very easy to do. Um, what, what's not easy is actually thinking about the scenario where either you or, or your spouse dies unexpectedly. But I'm here to tell you it happens all the time. The newspaper is filled with 
obituaries of people who didn't plan to die when they did. So here's the idea. Take a piece of paper and write each of your names on the top of that page. Husband on the left, wife on the right, or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. Then I want you to write the income sources of each person below their names. So, for example, maybe the first line would just say salary. You write your salary, then you write down your spouse's salary under their name. Maybe line two would be social security income. Write both of these down. Maybe line three is pension income, if either of you are entitled to that. Line four could be, you know, any other source of income for either of you. Then, and and here's the tough part, you have to kill each of you off on paper, of course, and edit the income. So, of course, if you die, your salary goes away. Then the, you know, surviving spouse, um, you know, if you're drawing Social Security, they may lose one Social Security check. And, of course, if you had a pension, depending on the survivor benefit that you elected, that pension could be altered in some way. And so, of course, once you've done this for yourself, do the same thing for your spouse. And for those of you who have not retired yet, do it while you're both still working. Do the scenario and then do the same scenario while you're both uh, retired. So what you'll see is a financial impact of your death. And and you're going to know if there's a shortfall. If there is, maybe that shortfall can be filled with a monthly distribution from the assets that you've saved. Um, And if there's enough money there, you may be fine. And if there's not, then you may need to consider buying some type of life insurance or making some other consideration or some other alteration in your retirement lifestyle. You know, something like selling a house or downsizing or moving to a cheaper location, whatever it is. Again, this is not a fun exercise, but it's pretty easy to do, but almost nobody does it. So, all right. Number seven. Oh, nope. That was number seven. This is number eight. I advertised this as a seven, number seven list, but we've got an eight. This is the bonus idea here. And that's number eight. Take that trip. All right. Don't put it off. Inflation is real. I know it is. I feel it. And I know you do too. But it's not getting cheaper anytime soon. Sure, I want you to look for a great deal and get the best price that you can, but if you're waiting for the cost of that trip to go back to where it was before Biden took office, you're going to be waiting a while because this is going to take some time. And I'm here to tell you, none of us are getting any younger. They just passed another you know, $1.7 trillion fleece the taxpayer bill. So prices aren't coming down anytime soon. So Remember this, folks, there's going to be a time where, where you're going to be too old to go anywhere and do anything. And if, and if you don't believe me, you're only fooling yourself. So book that trip now. And then once you get back and once you've made those memories, book the next one. And if you don't like to travel, that's fine. Not everybody does. But spend the time and spend your money doing what you love to do. Don't be scared to spend your money. Far too often, I'm, I'm telling you, people die having never spent any of the money that they worked a lifetime to save just because they were waiting on a rainy day. And a lot of times that rainy day never comes. So enjoy it while you're still living because this is nothing new. You can't take it with you. All right. So there you have it. Seven practical money steps. Now eight practical money resolutions for 2023. Uh, I'm confident that if you take these suggestions and you implement these into your overall plan, you're going to be a much better place financially 
a year from now than you are right now. So I hope this has been helpful for you. As always, if you'd like to have a conversation with me, just go to the website www.talkwithlee.com and you can set up a 15-minute phone call with me. I will discuss your situation. And anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you and your family have a fantastic 2023. We'll catch you next time. Lee Perkins here, and I want to thank you so much for tuning into the show today. If you like our podcast, we would be honored if you would share the show with others. And one great way to do that is by posting the show to your social media pages or by just telling others about it. Either way, we would really appreciate it. And of course, if you do enjoy the show, we would appreciate it if you would give us a five-star review. And this certainly helps other people like you find our show. And if you want to learn a little more about our firm and how we help people have the best retirement they can possibly have, go check us out at www.myretirementclarity.com. There are a lot of great resources that you can access directly on the website. And of course, if you want to have a conversation with me, you can visit www.talkwithlee.com. And this will take you directly to my calendar. And there you can schedule a 15-minute phone call so I can learn a little bit more about your situation. Of course, everybody is not a great fit for our firm, but if I think we can add value and put you in a better situation, I'll let you know and we can certainly talk about the next steps. So thanks again for tuning into the show and we'll catch you next time. Investment advisory services are offered by JL Perkins Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor and insurance agency. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified tax, legal, or investment professional before taking any action.